0: Hey everybody, what's good? This is Sharonda Reeves. You are listening to These Three Things Podcast. And this week we are going to talk about being biracial with Jasmine Jenkins. But before we get into that episode, let's do a recap of last week's episode. And I also want to talk about a couple of people that I want to add to my people I like list. Okay, first things first. Let's talk about the self-aware narcissist episode with Leon Walker. Man, you guys had a lot of feelings, a lot of thoughts about Leon, what we talked about in that episode. You guys were just baffled at his upbringing, the things that happened to him, family members touching on him. A lot of you, I really appreciated your compassion for who Leon turned out to become, because of some of the things that happened to him in his childhood, because I felt the same after listening to him, like, you know, his innocence was clearly snatched from him at a very young age. And while so many people out here have been molested by family members, by people who were not family members, by family friends, by babysitters, we could just run down the gamut for all of those people who have been able to shake that off and go through life and not become a narcissist, not harm other people, not molest other people, not touch other people. You know, really, I have to say there's a lot of grace on your life, because it doesn't always happen like that for some people. Some people, it's just deeper. Some people are um, not able to take what others can. And maybe for the period and length of time that these things are happening to them. So I appreciated the compassion that a lot of you shared with me that you felt for Leon. But also, too, on the other side of that, I appreciated the fact that Leon was being honest about uh, the demonic spirit that had overtaken him and that he still fights and deals with today, but is a lot more aware of it through therapy And um, we got together and we did an Instagram live on my Instagram page at these three things podcast. And if you guys want to go back and check that out, I encourage you to do so. In that Instagram live, we talked about narcissistic terms like supply, like discard, gaslighting, You name it, we talked about it. Future faking, we talked about all of the terms. So, for those of you who are not really familiar with narcissism or hearing about narcissistic people, I encourage you to go back and listen because you will probably realize that you have known narcissistic people in your life. You didn't know exactly what was going on with them, but you're able to identify as you listen to Leon talk. And he shares in different ways that he functioned in these different terms, like supply and what supply meant to him and future faking and how he future faked women into believing and gaslighting and love bombing. He tells in detail on our Instagram live, how he carried uh, those specific terms out so I encourage you to go back and check it out at these three things podcast on Instagram like follow I always love to hear you guys feedback if this is your first time listening to these three things podcast please don't hesitate to reach out to me at these three things podcast at gmail.com share your thoughts, share your views, things that you'd love to hear me talk about on the show, guests that you'd love for me to have, people that you know that you believe would be a great guest for my show. I'd love to chat with them and see where it goes. Okay, last thing for the self aware narcissist episode that I want to share. All of my listeners who listen to these three things podcast on Spotify, There are now questions that I'm leaving at the end of every episode because I really want to get you guys' feedback and interact with you about what your thoughts were. I have a question after the first episode of The Self-Aware Narcissist with Leon Walker that I want for you guys. If you're listening on Spotify, go answer that question and give me your feedback on what you think. And there will be a question at the end of this episode on Spotify as well on being biracial. Okay, a while back, you guys, I don't even know, maybe a year ago now, it might have been longer than a year ago, I don't remember. But I did an episode on the people that I like because there were just certain people like in the universe that I'm like, I like these people. Like, I just like what they stand for. And I just wanted to share that because I'm sure as you guys are traveling through life and you you're watching television or you're watching a sport or you're reading a book or you're traveling or you're looking at art, there are certain things, certain people that you just like. You don't even know why you like them. And so recently, uh, and I'm not a big football person. Let me just tell you that. I am a former athlete. I have no idea what they're doing in football. I was a basketball player uh, through high school and college, and I coached college basketball. I have no idea what's happening in football. I know when they get a touchdown, a field goal, a first down, and I know what a fourth down means. After that, that, and that may be a lot. I may know more about football than I think that I know, but I'm not a big football person per se, There's I could probably count on maybe both of my hands, how many times I've sat and just paid attention to a football game from kickoff to the last play. I really lose interest after a while. So for me to talk about these two people that I'm getting ready to talk about, I'm saying all that to say this. I'm not a big football person, but somehow these two brothers are people that I like. Now, the first one is going to be easy because he is everywhere right now. And that is Dion Coach Prime Sanders. Man, let me tell y'all. I listen to Dion talk and I'm like, only a man could say what Dion says about how he deals with his athletes, how he talks to his athletes, how he's honest with his athletes, how he says the hard thing because life is hard and sometimes you need to hear the hard thing. Only a man can say that and get away with it. There is not a female coach in coaching that can talk to players and have the expectation and be as raw and as honest as Deion Sanders is and keep their job. Well, maybe two or three coaches could get away with that. Like Dawn Staley of South Carolina could probably keep it a buck and keep her job. That dude up in Connecticut, has definitely kept it a buck for most of his career and has clearly kept his job. And the lady down at LSU, she could probably keep it a buck and keep her job as well. But outside of those three, I don't know. I mean, it could be fair game depending on, you know, how it all falls out. But for the most part, most female coaches who coach a women's sport cannot really keep it real like male coaches can and be able to maintain their jobs. I grew up in a time as a player where coaches were honest with you about what their expectations are, about what they needed you to get done. If you did not do it, this may not be the school or the university for you. I actually appreciated it because I understood where they were coming from and what the expectation was of me. I have never in my life had a coach get at me, yell at me, cuss at me, fuss at me, and I somehow took that personal. I always knew it was about coaching. I always knew it was about teaching. I always knew it was about an expectation, a standard that we are trying to be at. And if you can't get to the standard, if your little feelings are too tender to understand what we're trying to accomplish here, this isn't the place for you. So when he said that, I was like, yes, what he said. But y'all, I'm not coaching no more. (laughs) I'm not in coaching anymore. And part of that is probably the reason why. Because I was just way too honest. I said what I felt. And honestly, it was always in love because I'm understanding, especially for the black athletes, this world ain't gonna be the same once you graduate college. You are an athlete on a major campus at a major institution right now. and Everybody knows your name. and Everybody's cheering for you and everybody's treating you like you're just the best thing since sliced bread. But baby, when you graduate, When you are no longer in the eye and the cycle of college athletics flips another turn and you are now flipped out and the new group is circled in, ain't nobody thinking about you. You realize how insignificant you are to these people and now you got to get out here and make a life for yourself. So keep that in mind. But you know, kids don't learn until they learn, but I do love Deion Sanders for putting it where it needs to be put and saying it where it needs to be said so that these kids understand when they left Colorado that this ain't the place for me because I ain't really trying to go with his brother trying to go. And when they come into Colorado University or University of Colorado, this is the standard here. If I'm about that life, then I can come and play for this guy. And if I'm not, (laughs) I need to find another school to go to. So, yes. Dion, Coach Prime Sanders is a person that I like. Now, second guy, (laughs) I don't know how, well, I know how. I was watching, I think, maybe T.D. Jakes or somebody on my YouTube. And when that sermon went off that I was listening to, uh, Shannon Sharp, Club Shay Shay show came on and it was with Stephen A., And I just sat down and watched. And now now I have had friends tell me that you got to watch Club Shaysha. It is so good. Shannon Sharp is so good. And I used to watch Shannon more often when he and Skip were together. But I just hated the the energy that I got between he and Skip that I just kind of stopped watching the show. Because I was like, I don't really care for Skip. But I sat down this day to just watch his interview with Stephen A. Smith. And man, can I tell y'all, I love me some Shannon Sharp. (laughs) Like I am so inspired by him. I'm so inspired by his interviewing style, the way he interviews, the the studying and the work that you can tell that he's done into learning more about the people that he's sitting down and talking to. I think his questions are thoughtful. I think his questions are insightful. I think that he can talk about sports, but he can definitely talk about all things and all walks of life. I love the fact that he is a good old Southern boy, excuse me, that he is a good old Southern man. Um, I just like, I like me some, some Shannon. I do. I like me some club Shay Shay. And I got to tell you the interview with Stephen A. Smith and the fact that Stephen A. put this brother on after everything fell apart with Shannon and Skip. Stephen A., you got to get, you can say what you want about Stephen A., but Stephen A. is for the brother. Stephen A. is for helping other people that look like him get to places where he is and I am for that too because oftentimes many of us will be going through seasons in life where we may be in a struggle and we'll have friends that have really great jobs that will not even pick up the phone and call you and be like hey bro can I help you how can I help you man hey sis how can I help you I know you out here looking what can I do who can I call let's see what we got where I'm working to see how I can help you get on. And so I appreciate Stephen A. I appreciate Stephen A for looking out for Shannon. I love Shannon. I've been watching all of his episodes and just sitting back and just like smiling and laughing at his silliness. I watched his club Shay Shay with Coach Prime. I thought it was hilarious. So add Shannon Sharp to my list of people that I like. So now let's get into today's episode Being biracial. With Jasmine Jenkins. This is an interesting conversation because so many times in the black community, we have feelings and thoughts about biracial kids. I have known people and been around people who have made comments like, biracial kids are some of the most confused people, they don't know, they don't have a place. There's just so much said about being biracial that I wanted to have a conversation with someone who is biracial. Jasmine's mother is white, her father is black, and she is sharing her story with us about being biracial on These Three Things podcast. Enjoy. For almost a century, Skerritt Bennett Center's historic Gothic campus has been a choice location for dream weddings in Nashville. Consistently rated one of Music City's best places to get married by The Knot, Wedding Wire, and Toast of Nashville, Skerritt Bennett Center offers three timeless venues for your wedding. A 20-person elopement chapel, a 300-person wedding chapel, and a breathtaking garden. From rehearsal to reception, Skerritt Bennett Center is ready to help you create the intimate, historic wedding of your dreams. Visit our website at SkerrittBennett.org forward slash weddings for more information. Hey, this is Sharona Reeves. You are listening to These Three Things Podcast, and I am with my guest, which I've already told you guys I'm super excited to talk to. This is a conversation and a thought that is had in our community all the time, and I'm so happy that my friend Jasmine Jenkins is here today to talk to us about being biracial. So Jasmine, welcome to These Three Things podcast. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. This is my first podcast. So, um, I think this is an important topic to touch on, and I'm happy I can be here. I am too, Jasmine. Like, growing up just through the years, people that I know, we always talk about like what the experience is like for someone biracial mm-hmm. and then you know, you don't really know until you have a conversation with someone. And right. it depends on how you were brought up as how you perceive being biracial. Mm-hmm. And You know, you had shared with me, like, some of the experiences that you had. And I'm like, Jasmine, this is a podcast episode. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this is an episode. We got to talk about this. (laughs) So uh, I'm glad that you decided to do it. I really am. And so let's get into it. Okay, so Jasmine, um, tell my listeners about yourself, where you came from, which one of your parents is, you know, the white or the black parent. Mm -hmm. Just give my listeners some backstory on your upbringing. Yeah, of course. So...
1: Um, I'm from Southern California. I was born and raised in Irvine, California. It's in Orange County, maybe about 10, 15 minutes away from the beach. Um, predominantly a white and Asian area. Um, my mother is Mexican, Italian, and German. Um, but she was raised predominantly by her mother, who was German. And my father is black. Um, they went to high school together. They grew up in Orange County together, um, so it was only right that my parents stayed in Orange County mm-hmm. and raised us there. Um, I loved it, it was safe. Irvine is one of the safest cities in the country. Um, it's a little bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, had a lot of friends, a lot of families with kids, um, just a park on every you know, corner, mm. um, big houses, a lot of trees, it was great. I had a really good um, childhood. Um, I never really ventured outside of California young. Um, it was, you know, you stay where you know and who you know. Right. And even though my parents separated when I was young, um, they still held, you know, those values at core. Yes. And so um, that's all I knew mm-hmm. growing up. That's all I knew is Orange County and the beach and And I never really saw anyone who looked like me. Um, If I did, it was in passing or it was in a different city, but I wasn't really like raised with anyone who looked like me. I was, you know, the only black person in my household when my parents separated. And I kind of just chalked it up to, you know, everyone tells me I'm pretty for a black girl or, you know, I speak really well and... So I was like, oh, compliments, you know? Right. Um, well, why would I think that that was negative? Right. And so it was an interesting transition as I was growing up, hearing the same things from elementary school to middle school to high school. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, like no one's saying anything about it. And well, it's really nice to hear. But it, I knew it felt different because, mm-hmm. you know, I still didn't see anyone who looked like me. Right. It wasn't until I got to college. Um, You know, it's a melting pot when you go to college, right? It's someone from everywhere, different walk of life, background, um, different values and opinions. And so I get to college and, you know, it's the whole I'm too black to be hanging out with the white people and I'm too white, you know, washed to hang out with the black people. And so I was like, well, where do I fit in? Yeah. um it was really hard and thankfully i had sports mm-hmm. otherwise you know i wouldn't have had my community you were a student athlete right i was i played softball mm-hmm. Played softball yeah, yeah. you which look like a softball player. <laughs> <laughs> which is funny too because yeah. now the sport is evolving True. but before again
0: i was one of maybe like two or three black people yes in the whole tournament yes like I really think in like maybe the last eight to ten years softball Mm -hmm. you see a lot of black girls in softball now but most of my college experience all white girls all white girls there's still
1: schools I'm not gonna name them but there are still a few uh, college universities that only recruit certain types of softballers that look a certain way Yep. um and so yeah that stereotype goes goes far and deep but yeah, even in that sport alone. Like yeah. everything I was doing was a predominantly different culture or race. Yeah. Um, and so that was another thing that made me, you know, stick out like a sore thumb in the black community. Yeah. You know, I, I have two left feet. I don't know how to dance. <laughs> <laughs> okay. so um, let, let me ask yeah, you. Yeah, let's something. back up. Well, no, no, because <laughs> I wanna
0: when you say like, okay, so going up through elementary, middle and high, hmm So were there just not a lot of black people that attended your school or just like, were you just not around a lot of black people just in general? Both.
1: So my mother's side of the family um, was who I was around, mostly because I lived with my mom. And so, um, yeah, no, everyone in the family was, you know, German and white or um, a little bit of of Mexican, but they looked white. And so, of course, my mom being comfortable with that, Mm -hmm. that's that's who she, she put us around. Right. And then on top of that, in Orange County, um, now it's growing. But before, when I was younger, it, if you looked different, mm-hmm. meaning if you weren't Caucasian or Asian and you were in Irvine, you would get followed. You know, people would call the cops on you and they would be like, Where you You don't live here. You couldn't possibly live here. You know, you're in the next city over. You've gotten lost. And so I had a few of those experiences if I was like walking around alone, yeah. um, but not Enough for me to like go home and tell my mom mm-hmm. because she never talked about it. Yeah. So I was never like, oh, this is something that I'm going to bring up randomly or on my own. Right. So if it wasn't being talked about, I wasn't going to bring it up.
0: But I also felt some type of way. I just yeah. didn't know how to explain it or put it into words. Okay. So during those years, mm-hmm. I know, you know, your parents are split up now. How much time during the middle? elementary middle and high school years did you spend with your dad or his side of the family so my dad was supposed to pick me up every weekend that was the court ordered
1: arrangement Mm -hmm. Um, but because I played softball competitively I was playing about 10 games a weekend yeah and so I wasn't seeing him in his environment or with my his side of the family yeah um, unless they came to watch me play softball and again my whole dad's side of the family was like why are you playing softball like we know nothing about that yeah that's not what we do come run track come play basketball um that's what we're doing over here and because I was like well I'm you know my mom's paying for me to play softball and I'm good at it and scouts are looking at me he couldn't really relate mm. and he didn't take the time to come watch me so I, it pushed me away to like not try the basketball on the track and everything else. So we would butt heads. But again, my parents had me in high school, they were young. So, um, me as a child myself though, I didn't understand that dynamic. Mm -hmm. I'm like, come watch me play. I'm so good at this sport. He just couldn't relate. So I never really went to my dad's side of the environment or
0: family Mm -hmm. as a young kid. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about college. Mm -hmm. So you get to college, you've grown up in Irvine. Irvine's predominantly white, Asian see a few, few black people here and there, but that's been your life experience. Mm-hmm. Now you, where did you go to college, Jen? Yes. I went to the University of Nevada, Reno. Okay. So Northern so. Nevada. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you're in Reno. I've been to Reno. Yeah. Can you believe I've been to Reno, but never Vegas?
1: What? Well, you know what? It's so make funny. Make people sense. are like,
0: oh, Vegas.
1: Initially when I'm like, I went to Nevada. And they're like, I'm like, no, Reno. Yeah. They're like, where's that? Yeah. I'm like by Tahoe, literally an hour away yes. from Sacramento. Yes. So it's far from Vegas. Yeah. It's it about is. eight hours.
0: You, do, you don't even think Nevada's that big no yeah but it is it is It is. yeah yeah. okay so going to Reno college freshman year talk about it it was wild so um
1: and I just have to do this as a tribute I had offers left and right for softball so young and I committed so young um and Nevada was recruiting me I had no idea where this place was I thought it was UNLV as well and so the hitting coach was watching every game that weekend that I had. And I heard him coughing in the stands, and I'm like, what's going on? The umpire had to call timeout. Um, they called the medical team. The recruiting coach for Nevada was internally bleeding the weekend oh, that wow. he was watching me recruit or watching me and he was recruiting. And he literally would not let them put him on a stretcher until he was like, I need to talk to Jasmine Jenkins. I need her to commit. I'm not going to the hospital until she commits to the <laughs> <my> battery now. <laughs> oh my and of course me as like a sophomore junior in high school, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Like you need to go to the hospital. Um, and so he was in the hospital. My family and I went to go visit him and he was like, we need you at
0: yeah. this
1: program. Like you can turn this around and because of that, I committed. Mm. And I just, that was the definition of that program there. It was loyalty and yeah. family, and um, they really believed in me. So that's awesome. I just had to do that quick shout, shout out, out, Reno.
0: Right. <laughs> Softball. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, you know, that's what set the tone for me. Yeah. So then I go see the campus. It's this beautiful campus. It's so long, it, it's, uh, it flows very nicely. And I just was obsessed. And the girls were great, a great team, great program. Um, I really felt family oriented, but when I arrived, I looked around and I'm like, "Oh my goodness! Wow. There's somebody from everybody here, from wow. everywhere here." Yeah, and um, I quickly came to realize that they recruited majority of their athletes from Southern California. Yeah, and so it was wild. I'm seeing people from LA and Orange County and San Diego everywhere that was around me right. and I had no idea had all these athletes yeah so our basketball team our football team our soccer team our softball team everyone was from Southern California so it's like okay great like they have the same experience as yeah. me right that's what I'm thinking and so I'm thinking these are my people this is my family um but then I'm also looking around and I'm like oh my gosh there's people that look like me and they're playing the sports I'm playing, and they're wearing their hair how I wear my hair, and, you know, we can talk about the same fashion. And so it was nice that it felt like a community, but I also, there's another side of it, right? There's the other side of, like, oh, you're doing this, and I've never seen that, or you're saying these things that I've never heard, or um, your experiences may not, not sound like mine. Right. So even though, like, we look alike, and there's certain things that we have alike, there's also so many more or equally of things that are different yeah and I was like how I don't know how to go about this so of course me being young still I'm just blurring out like what is that yeah what are you doing um and so I'm sure I rubbed people the wrong way but it was so innocent yeah I was just curious and I've never had that experience and I think some people took it as you know me wanting to know more and some people took it as me being rude yeah and so that was difficult to navigate
0: yeah did you find that black people were mad at you because you didn't know more about black things, black culture, black, like, yeah. look, like, so just in, let's just talk about hair. Cause mm-hmm. you know, black women, we, our <laughs> hair is like a, that's a whole podcast episode, right? Um, you've probably been, you've probably grown up doing your hair a certain way. Mm -hmm. And then you get around other black women and you're like, they're doing something completely different. Did you find that black women were offended? Other black women were offended? Or did you feel like they were, girl, let me teach you and tell (laughs) you what's what? So uh, there was two different types of encounters
1: I would face. There was one where I would get um, other black people would look at me like, "Mm, like, you know she doesn't know any better like or you know the whole colorism thing of like oh she's like and she thinks that she can get away with it or Mm. um it was just they had this pre-notion of me already that I I essentially maybe seemed entitled Mm -hmm. and so they're like we want nothing to do with that you know we're gonna keep her over there but then I had a group of girls who embraced it they're like oh my gosh like you know I was their little project in a sense of like We can teach her and we can (laughs) show her. And so um, I'm thankful for that group because they really took me in. I mean, yeah, my mom didn't know what to do with my hair. She straightened it. I got when that Japanese straightening first came out. Yeah. I was the first one in that salon chair. um, Chemically straightened. and, And my hair never curled. It still doesn't curl. And so... Uh, all I knew how to do is straighten my hair I didn't know how to do my baby hairs I didn't know <laughs> anything about gel I didn't baby know baby hair is important <laughs> in our community I you know. do realize right? I had no idea yeah I had no idea I you know straighten my hair and put on a headband that's all I knew how to do yeah. and so when I got to college like you don't do your hair I'm like I, I did it this morning and so yeah there was a lot of of little things big things I just had no idea about
0: yeah. no idea so how did that make you feel and that's I I know that's such a therapist question so how (laughs) did that make you feel Jasmine but like seriously like coming to that environment and things being so different and Mm -hmm. recognizing that I don't really know like I don't know like how did that
1: make you feel I was angry at first I mean okay so let's back up a little bit so at first I was like okay a group that'll embrace me that'll show me I'm so excited But then it was like more and more every day of things that I had no idea about. And it became a little overwhelming of like, wow, like for the past 18, 19 years, I have no idea about this other part of who I am. And then I got angry. Mm -hmm. I got angry at my mom. You know, you knew you had, were having a biracial child. Why didn't you teach yourself? Why didn't you push for my, you know, dad or my grandma? Did you ask her these things? I did. I was a very bold kid. Oh, I, I love it. I pushed back a lot as a kid. Um, and that's a whole nother, you know, thing, but I always questioned things and I always, you know, wanted to walk my own path. And so I got on the phone real quick and I was like, mom, like, did you know this? And she didn't know that. And she got defensive. And we had a falling out, and, and we didn't talk for a while. Um, I think she met my anger with anger, um, and I'm sure that stemmed from, you know, whatever her and my dad went through. Um, but, yeah, I was very angry. And then it trickled down to me being angry at my dad. Well, you can't keep putting that on my mom because yeah. you had a part in that too. You know, you could have picked me up. You could have taken me to lunch after a game and yeah. talked to me about it. And, and he kept, you know, just saying, like, well, you didn't want to learn how am I supposed to know if I want to learn or not? If you right. don't even introduce it. Right. Um, so it was a lot of pushback, which made me even more angry because mm-hmm. no one was meeting me with compassion or um, let's learn now mm-hmm. together. And so I was relying on other 19-year-olds that I was going to school with. And my boyfriend at the time, um, he was black and he played basketball. And I had to rely on his family. Every Thanksgiving and Christmas that I was in college, yeah. I went back home with him and i i was very thankful for that experience that they gave me they took me you know and at first they were a little hesitant because they hadn't they did not believe me yeah because i would go in and they'd be like oh do you want to eat are you hungry well, oh i don't eat ribs i don't yeah. eat st- you know what i mean i don't eat these things because no one made them yeah and they looked at me like i was crazy um but no it, they definitely took me in and and, and helped me and yeah. made it a little less painful so i'm
0: grateful for them but it was hard okay so let's talk about mom and dad for a second Your mom, like, as I'm listening to you tell it, I'm thinking, you know, as your mom, she's probably thinking, Jasmine, I gave you a good life. Mm -hmm. Like, you lived in a safe place. Like, you... She's thinking all of the things that I gave you. Right. Which are all good things. Mm -hmm. Not understanding that at some point, Jasmine's gonna run into the other side of her. Right. And, you know, this big awakening to you know who the other side of you is and how you're perceived out here in the world when did you realize that i mean did you always grow up knowing that people perceive me as a black girl or did it really become like i'm a black woman out here to people like i've been raised with this you know german white woman Mm -hmm. but to all these people i'm a black woman like when did the revelation like happen for you you know what i still struggle with that I still struggle with that
1: because growing up I was this cute mixed kid you know with this like curly hair or like straight hair and so everyone's like oh so cute like I was a doll um even today I deal with that I mean some people look at me and they're like that's true you're just so cute and like they don't put me and I'm very passive I'm very quiet I feel like I take up a lot of space you know my those are traits that I've had to overcome and I'm still you know healing from but I think because I belittle myself a little bit in certain environments or something, it's more acceptable so they don't I don't feel like they treat me or see me as anything less
0: than them which yeah. is wild because it's it yeah. shouldn't be that way well Looking at you, and I say that, that you're perceived as a black woman, but technically I wouldn't really know what you yeah. were. Yeah. I would. I mean, people come up to me all the time. They're like, are you Hawaiian? Are you Filipino? I can totally see Hawaiian. <laughs> yeah. I can totally
1: see Hawaiian. Yeah.
0: I can see a little, even Hispanic in there a little yeah. bit. Like you may be like Latino or yep. Hispanic, Puerto Rican even. I see yes. Puerto
1: Rican. So I never really, yeah. like I've never had come up to, I mean, unless they didn't, unless they already knew I was black, they I would never come up to anyone. No one would ever come up to me and say like, oh, you're black. Yeah. That's never been my experience until I say it, or they already knew it. Yeah, um, and I, I don't know how it would be if people just perceived me as that. I like sometimes I'm like, would it be easier, even though the, yeah. that comes with its own battles? I don't know. Yeah, and so it's so hard. But to be honest with you, like today, I feel like I'm more comfortable with being around white people than mm-hmm. anybody else, just because. I know how to deal with the racism.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I know how to deal with that. I don't know how to deal with um, the black community thinking I'm, or already putting the notion on me that
0: I think I'm better than them when I, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm just, I don't know. Is that what you've been met with primarily from the black community? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: They think I'm like playing a game or it's a yeah. front or um, there's like, there's no way. Or yeah. they think I'm doing it as like, a fetish but like something that's no there's no way you can be curious about it there's no way you want to learn
0: about this like you've had
1: all of this and this is where you come from and all these other things and I'm like no I
0: that's still part of me I don't think that your mom probably ever considered that that was necessary for you agreed you know and not in a bad way it was just like just like you didn't know she didn't know right
1: and that was the third level of I went from like being excited to angry to like a realization of like, yes, my parents did the best they, they could with what they had mm-hmm. and what they knew. Um, and even to this day, it's just a topic that we just don't really touch base on because it gets really hated and emotional. But I know how she feels about it now. She knows how I feel about it now. We kind of just keep it at that. But, yeah, I had to come to a realization of like she just didn't know. And even though there's a little part of me that wish she cared enough to do research and try, she just did it. And that's just what I have to chalk it up to. But she did put me in positions to learn from other people mm-hmm. and I have to be appreciative for that.
0: Yeah. So, so can you identify, can you express into words, like what was the root of your anger when you were in your anger stage? What is the, what's the verbiage that says, this is the reason why I'm angry. It's tough, it's tough i I think
1: i that was at a point I realized like I was just boxed in as like a softball player. Mm-hmm. nothing less, nothing more. There was nothing to me other than softball. Mm-hmm. And so when I went to college and realized all these people have so much more to them and who they were and where they came from. I think I was angry because I was like, that could have been me mm-hmm. or that could be me, but I have no one around me like embracing that. Yeah. So
0: I think I just resorted to just being so angry. Yeah. Cause you felt like they were more layered than you, more life Way experience more like, yes. than you, like yeah. more, uh, used to more diversity than you mm-hmm. exposed to more so they can make different decisions, decisions. than you. Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: like the pride of passing traditions down and passing just daily activities I had no idea about like no one did
0: that with me yeah so it was just I felt lost for a little bit yeah and so then our community and when I say our community I'm talking about our black side you know I'm well y'all already know me on the (laughs) show but (laughs) mama black daddy black but I'm just saying so the black side of you the black community does who doesn't know your story mm-hmm. makes assumptions about you now. Yeah. Because you don't know that or she thinks she's this. And then you know, it's hard to be light skinned sometimes in the black community yeah. because I feel like it's getting better. Yeah. But it's hard because there's a stigma that comes oh, so you think you pretty or you think you this or you think you that or y'all don't have no troubles or y'all don't know what it's like to be black or y'all ain't really black. Right. You know, yeah. all of that. So you're getting othered by the other half of you Mm -hmm. and it's only based on I guess the girls who were really interested in kind of like or or hearing your story and knowing listen it ain't because I don't want to be down I just don't know to be I don't know what being down is even means looks like yeah yeah Yeah. so um yeah it's either you know deal with that or
1: (laughs) deal with being told like I'm pretty for a bike a black girl I'm smart for a black girl or I'm and, and you do, like, do know that do that's pick? not a, a No, compliment. that's not a compliment. Yeah. I learned that in college at 19. Yes. That that was racism. Yes. And so, yeah, I
0: just had to do a lot of work with that. Yeah. A lot. It made me very angry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, join the club. Anybody who knew <laughs> me at Fresno State yeah. after I took my first African-American studies course, listen, I was militant. Like, mm-hmm white people please do not talk to me for the next uh century like just so many things that you learn and you know just being away from home in college in general but then when you start to get educated to like the rest of the world and i like you you know i came from a small town Mm -hmm. and went to college in california and um was just exposed to a lot as well and I do think that basketball kind of exposed me to some things but not as much as what I experienced when I went out to Fresno and then I ended up taking this um, like I said African American studies course and learning all the things about my history and I remember sitting in third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade learning about us being slaves and how we picked cotton and all of these things right But not knowing that we discovered this, and we created that, and we did this, and we did that, and we were part of this, and we're the reason why this is what it is today. You don't tell me those things about myself. You tell me that I'm a slave. Right. You tell me that, you know, Martin Luther King came along and did X, Y, and Z for us, and, you know, Harriet Tubman freed us from slaves, from being slaves. But you don't really tell me the whole story of my history. Mm-hmm. And I think if I can articulate what really had me so angry at white people was the intention. Yep. behind what you did. Yeah. That's a good one. The intention behind what you did. You didn't want me to know. Right. You didn't want me to believe in myself or grow up thinking that i'm just as good as you you're no better than me Mm -hmm. my people did this and you enslaved us my people invented this while you were enslaving us like we were bad out here Mm -hmm. you know you tried to destroy us as people and we came and educated you and taught you how to do certain things Mm -hmm. and that was the anger with me that was the first time and i grew up in a community where i had you know in high school everybody's friends you know Most people are cool with everybody in high school. And I was cool with, you know, so many different nationalities and races of people in high school. And that was the first time that, like, it darkened me for a while. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, you know, you... Like y'all not y'all not good people. Like yeah. why would you want me just to think that I was nothing more than a slave? Right. Why would you want to get such a head start on who you are? Yeah. And put me at such a disadvantage as to who I think that I am. Mm-hmm. And now I gotta play catch up. You know, I right. know I gotta so I'm equating all of that and I'm saying all of that to say, I can imagine how you would feel mm-hmm. now going into college, learning so much more about all the things that you weren't exposed to. Yeah. And they'll feel like, now I got to play catch up Ketchup. because mm-hmm. it's so many things. I just don't know Yeah, where do I take it? You know,
1: how do I take it all in? Yeah. It, it definitely instilled a sense of insecurity in me mm. because I'm like, Oh, I know who I am. I know what I want to do. I'm in college. I'm doing the things I want. Um, but yeah, then it going to, well, do I really know who I am? Do I haven't even tapped into anything? You know, my potential yeah. or anything. So, um, yeah, it was rough. And but it's funny that you say that because I never got to a point of being angry at like white people. Yeah. It was like I just put it all on my mom. Mm. Because again, I still battle with like walking into the room and being like, "Oh, I know how to navigate this." Yeah. And that's not healthy. <laughs> that's not right, but it's just what I was used yeah. to. And it's, and it was just, I don't know, it's wild now that I'm like realizing
0: that. Yeah, so, well, I, I totally get, because I hope I didn't sound like I thought you were mad at all white people. No. I was mad at all white folks, yes. <laughs> 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 just, I was mad at all no, white I just people.
1: <laughs> the community, like, I don't know, because when I was in school learning about racism, like, everyone would look at me and be like, oh, well, like, poor you. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, me. like Because it was just me.
0: Cotton picker. <laughs> oh, <You know>? yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I just,
1: I don't know. I just, I don't know.
0: It we pick cotton. <laughs> now it's funny but at the time was not funny Funny, no it was not funny you know but yeah like
1: they would look at me like i had the answers like i was there (laughs) like (laughs) i'm sorry i did not know exactly
0: (laughs) i didn't participate no ancestors we are not yeah we are not laughing at you ancestors we are laughing at a moment of how we're looking back at that and Mm -hmm. thinking like because i remember that look too jasmine like (laughs) oh Y'all were slaves, poor slaves. We were not Uh, slaves. We were enslaved. Right. So let's just put that out there. We didn't have a choice. choice. You are listening to these three things podcast with Sharona Reeves and Jasmine Jenkins on being biracial. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this episode of these three things podcast. Here's how you can stay connected after the show. Follow at These 3 Things podcast on Instagram, Twitter and YouTube. On Facebook at These 3 Things P. Be sure to follow, subscribe and if you like what you've been hearing, leave a review. You say that you um your boyfriend in college was black. Mm-hmm. Okay? So talk about that. Was he your was he was this your first boyfriend? Was this your first guy mm-hmm. or like So no. So I was with
1: somebody in high school. So I was with um Somebody in high school who was black, but it was in this. He was in the same position as me, where like you know, our, I mean, he like like skateboarding, and we liked the same, right. like you know, rock right. music, right. <laughs> right? Yeah. So yes, he was black, but I think we kind of just navigated towards each other because we were both black, but liked the same odd, you know, things. Yes. Um, so that wasn't really anything out of the ordinary. And then I, you know, get to college and. Um I meet a basketball player who whole long story on the side but um we get together like my first week of college and he kind of just claims me and <laughs> everyone just associates me and with him, him him and me and I let him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "Oh wow, yeah, you know." Um And so, yeah, I moved in with him. My first week of college was with him. All four years of college, every holiday, you know, he played basketball. Basketball year round, yeah. You know, so when he got to go home, he was like, "We're going home," and it would go. We would go to his family's house. And where was he from? He's from LA. Okay, so I am thinking, yeah, I'll go back home. Um, But he, you know, he's from um, Crenshaw yeah so it's the heart of LA Mm -hmm. Uh, I've never been over there before I met him I it was funny too because I got into LA a day before him because he was meeting me from a basketball tournament and I called his mom and I was like oh I'm gonna come over and see you guys before he gets here and she was like okay well what time are you coming because it's getting late and I'm looking at my phone like it's three what does she mean it's getting late and I'm like well maybe five six she's like honey you can't come over here when the sun goes down and I'm like what are you talking about wow and so she was like, yeah, no, we, we don't go outside at dark, you know, and I had no idea what she's talking about. And so I pull up at like five, five thirty, and she's mad because now she has to go outside and it's dark and it's just not a safe area. And so
0: a lot of those moments. Yeah. Cause she's thinking if this girl ends up getting killed over here, her yeah. parents are going to kill us. Yeah. 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 And you didn't know. And so now when you look at that and think about that, okay, so I live in California, I live in LA mm-hmm. and I have never even gone on to this other side of LA. Like mm-hmm. that's almost like living in my town and not going to Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, I live it's in the Murfreesboro. Same thing. I've never gone to Nashville. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, but it's just not safe. So I, yes. I understand why my, you know, parents, you know, sheltered us. Um, but I think balance is just important. Yeah. It's okay to expose your children at the level that they're at for certain subjects. Mm-hmm. You can't act like things don't exist. Yeah.
0: That wipes out everything. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was a lot of learning. So his family introduced you to a lot of the black experience. Yeah. And do you remember the first time you had good soul food? It's so funny. Cause I, and I, did you
1: even like it? That's the thing. I grew up on like fish. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> i love my i can't cook to save my life i love things that aren't seasoned that's what i'm you know used to (laughs) my child literally i put salt and pepper on stuff and he's like it's spicy and i'm like i just feel so bad for him but um (laughs) no i i tried at first i was like no i'm not hungry because i wasn't used to it Mm -hmm. and they were like no you don't come over here and say you're not hungry you're gonna eat yeah so I'm yeah. like, okay, I'll try it, and I didn't want to seem rude, so I tried everything. I do not like red meat yeah. to this day. Yeah. I don't. I don't like pork ribs. I don't. Um, so it was tough. <laughs> I'm like, there's many times where I'm like, can you take my plate to my boyfriend? Because yes. I didn't want them to see me yes. throwing it away. Um, and I think it was just maybe because it was just I was exposed to it later in life. Like yeah. I already had my taste buds and. I yeah. already knew what I liked. So it was harder yeah. and I didn't want to be rude. I was trying so hard to not be disrespectful, but I also was like, I need to stay true to myself. Yeah. Good luck
0: to that though. Cause right. you know, <laughs> in the black community, we mad if you don't eat, No. we would get upset. They
1: all looked at me like I was crazy and I'm like, you know what? But I'm here, I'm trying right. and I'm here and I will try it all and I will embrace it all. Um, but yeah, no, I love mac and cheese. I love some mashed potatoes. I love everything else. I love all the sides. Yeah. I just can't do red
0: meat. So then in those moments where you felt like, okay, I just don't have the taste buds for this. Like, I yeah. just don't, do, did you feel a way or did you just kind of like suck it up and be like, this is me and I'm going to just keep it No, moving? I am, I was, you know, I was very, I was raised to be very
1: pleasing. You know, you, mm. you speak when you're spoken to and you, you're just there. So now that trickled over to that too. I kept trying it and I kept doing more. I was getting further and further away from myself, trying to find myself, if that made sense. Yes. Because I was like, no, I have to embrace this. This is what they do. I have to do it. Um, and it just kind of
0: spiraled. Yeah. In all aspects. So, Yeah. yeah. So you're dating the uh, black guy on the basketball team. Mm-hmm. You guys date for a while.
1: Yeah, we dated all f- four years of my four years of college. We got engaged,
0: everything. Okay. Yeah. And so have you dated outside? Have you dated other other men besides black men? Yeah, actually... Um
1: after him I dated another black man for a little while and then after that I was like I think I'm done um and I ended up marrying someone who was Jewish and um now that we are separated and divorced I am now seeing someone who's Italian yeah but it's wild too because like my mom is German Mexican Italian she's you know a lot yeah but she was raised predominantly white so I have all of these things you know in me you but do. I'm still like when I was with somebody who's Jewish I'm with somebody who's Italian like I'm still learning yeah those cultures as well yeah and so it's like there's just so much to people in a community and I'm, now I'm like in love with traditions and mm. I try and pass that
0: down to my kids and so yeah yeah because you know what at the end of it all that's all that really matters is what you pass down to your children. Exactly. The family that you decide to make with your family Mm -hmm. is the only thing that really matters. You know, I had a therapist tell me that in my early twenties and y'all know on the show, I'm big about therapy. I always talk about therapy and there've been like patches in my life when maybe I'm transitioning from, high school girl to Mm -hmm. now the college and I'm away from home and I'm trying to figure out who I am and to once I've graduated college and now I'm out here in the world and trying to figure out what that looks like for me Mm -hmm. and I had a therapist tell me during that season of my life when I had graduated high school and I'm now in college trying to figure out who I am Mm -hmm. she was like well because in my mind I'm still trying to execute all these things that I heard in my household but they don't necessarily fit me in all areas and she was like well Sharana, the beauty of it is is now that you're an adult mm-hmm. you get to choose yeah you can take what you want from your upbringing and you right. can throw the rest of it in the trash if it doesn't work for you yeah. you get to say what <laughs> happens in your life Jasmine that was like so uh-huh. liberating to right me. yeah it's such a simple thing why didn't my brain think of that mm-hmm. but just in that moment to tell me that you have the freedom Sharona this is your big life honey yeah. Do with it what you want now. I wish I had made some different (laughs) decisions once I came to that revelation. Right. But I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Like, and that's why I felt like it was so important to share your story, Jasmine, because I think that those of us who haven't been around very many biracial people, Mm We have an assumption of of when you don't know black things, it's because you didn't want to know them. Right. Because you didn't, you know, you don't care to know them because you like being white, because mm-hmm. you want to be white. Right. Sometimes it's just about exposure. And by the time I'm raised and I'm out here in the world, I'm, I've am i been exposed to this. It's what I'm used to. It's what I'm comfortable. Like you said, yeah. you're comf- more comfortable around white people than you are black people. Mm-hmm. And me, you know, I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I know you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm like, what? But I want you to kind of elaborate on that just a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Talk about so, that. And, and you know,
1: it's because I'm used to racism. I that's so horrible to say, but I know how to navigate a room full of white people who say certain things because in my experience, nine times it's a loud bark, but not a hard bite. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll let certain things, you know, play out and, and, I shouldn't mm-hmm. and, but I do. And it's just more of like, oh, you're not going to get me riled up. Um, but it's just something familiar that I've dealt with my whole life. So I know how to navigate. Yeah. When it comes to black people, I think I just want to be so accepted so bad. Yeah. And I just don't know how to, cause it's like, I'm trying too hard mm-hmm. that I don't know how to navigate that. And also there's more judgment in like what I am doing or don't do, you know, there's certain things that I just don't like. And instead of it being like, that's just what she doesn't like it's, oh, well, like, because you weren't exposed to it or you just don't, you know, you don't embrace it or you don't want to. Right. Instead of being like, no, it's just something I don't like. Um, And I don't get that pushback
0: from the white community. Yeah. They're just kind of like, oh, okay. They just let it be. Well, and see, with you just explaining that in one fell swoop, now I get it. Yeah. The work that it always takes to constantly try to please or Mm -hmm. fit in or satiate the black part of you it's just a lot. Yeah. When I can just be over here cause I know what to do over here. Over here. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's a lot.
1: I don't think competition is the right word, but I mean like it just the, when you said that it resorted back to like social media, like oh, I have to take social media breaks cause I feel like there's so many people who put like, this is what you look like. This is what you should be doing or this is what it should be. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm just not that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's tough. It's hard. I'm still trying to, you know, navigate it. I feel like it'll never be perfect, yeah. but um as long as I heal from it and and back to the kids thing too. I think that's when it turned a whole new page for me. Yeah. When Talk I have kids. Your sons. Yeah. yeah. I have two boys. They're um 5 and 6 and they're black. Their dad is black. I'm black. Um, You know, I have, you know, the German, Italian, and Mexican, but they're mostly black. Mm -hmm. And so with that, I got nervous because I'm like, I don't want them to have the same experience I had. And, you know, they're black boys. That's going to be completely different. Yeah. And so I really, that's when I woke up and was like, you know what? I can't be angry. I got to, you know, table that with my parents and they are around my dad, my dad's side of the family way more now Mm -hmm. um, than I ever was. And, and they embrace that. They love that. And they're outgoing and they love to just be carefree boys. And I love that for them. Yeah. And they see different walks of life everywhere now. Like I make that a point and they are my legacy. So what I, if I'm not healthy and safe and happy, they're not going to be either. Yeah. And I don't want to pass anything down to them. That's going to affect them in the long run. So, you know, I, my parents are great grandparents great grandparents and of course they're older and they know more now so I allow them that space to have that relationship with my kids and um it's just amazing now
0: yeah that's so so good yeah that's so good because you know also too while I'm listening to you talk I think that the funny thing about black people is that we're different wherever you go like The South, we do things in the South that black people born and raised in LA don't do. Like we we just move differently. And you know, what's so funny about that
1: is like coming out here to the South for the first time, living out here now. I was like, wow, I don't think I would have had that angry stage. I agree. Because black people in the South, it's so family oriented. Mm -hmm. It's so, we want you to be on our team. Yeah. You know, um, we add to the team, you add value. It's why I've yes. never experienced that yes. before. Um, and yeah, down here the doors open and you know, there's always food on the table and you, you know, you come as you are and it's nice that I'm experiencing. I wish I would have had that, but now yeah. that I am actually experiencing it, I embrace it so much more. Yeah
0: like us black folks down here in the south would have been proud for you to be our cousin I We'd be like come on jazz it's <laughs> our cousin <laughs> jazz she's from california right because that's how we are on, here yeah. like you said it adds to the team you yeah. bring value you right. know because you're another uh, look of who we are mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying she doesn't look like us but she's us yeah that's us she's yeah. us you know
1: so yeah and i definitely went through that stage of like okay i want to be in the kitchen i want to learn and you know, my aunt just taught me how to make peach cobbler and it was just like the most amazing yes. experience because I'm like, OK, I'm a part of something. I'm yeah. creating something Yeah, um, that's, you know, surrounded by people with love for me, for what we're making. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was just amazing. I'm like, I love being out here. Yeah, I do.
0: And the beauty of it is, is that you really kind of, you know, liked if we can go back to like the the dating part of the men, mm-hmm. is that you've just been open to oh yeah good love like yeah. like love mm-hmm. no matter what yeah. So now you're dating. You said what an Italian yeah. What's that like?
1: <laughs> I love it. Look, I can't cook, and I keep finding men that love to cook. So I'm like, it just works. That's my <laughs> <Spoiled>. <laughs> I'm like an Italian from New York. We we're making homemade meatballs, mm-hmm. lasagna, mm-hmm. pizza. Um, No, it's so good. Mm. And, and, and because I don't cook, I'm like, okay, I'll get the groceries and I'll clean. Yeah. So it's just a balance. And so to be able to be with and just find people who love me for what I, you know, bring to the table, but also the fact that like I'm open and willing to learn and explore. And, you know, I was very much like city rooftop high rise yes. and being in the south now i'm like okay he wants to go, to, wants to go on a hike we're going on a hike yeah. i'm in the nature you know i may have you know long socks and a long sleeve and a hat and sunglasses on <laughs> but i'm out and there i'm hiking yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and so yeah it's just different but i'm open to it and and it's good and as long as it's good for me and the boys then it makes sense okay
0: last subject and we're going to get some heat for this subject Jasmine but we going to talk about it. I feel like I'm already going to get heat for some of the things.
1: <laughs> I'm just so open about, I don't know. We
0: are going to get some <laughs> heat for this. Okay, so you have dated white men and black men. Uh-huh. As have I. Mhm. Do we want to talk about our experience and our differences and what we what what our takeaway? I think we should. I think we should. <sighs> if we want to step on the <laughs> stick of dynamite. Like- <laughs> and lose a leg
1: (laughs) no because we've experienced it so i feel like our experiences semi make us like an expert on it i mean semi (laughs) i mean some people can't say that they've done that
0: i don't know okay okay let's talk about it i think
1: i need to start off with like i think i was just so infatuated with seeing people who looked like me and then also seeing them that they like attracted to me because yes. growing up I was like oh these white boys do not like black girls and they they didn't around me yeah so that's why I kind of got paired up with the only you know black kid in the school yeah and then when I got in college I was like oh you're like choosing me yeah. and I know nothing about like any I like I don't do any of that and so yeah it was like okay you're choosing me. it was very much like what happened to me mm-hmm. not what I can control or what I liked or like right. what mattered to me yes so a lot of my early on experiences even with my kids father it was very much like oh you chose me like of course I'm gonna go with you of course I love this like you love me yeah and then I got and then I had my kids and I'm like wait, 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 wait. I have to be happy too yeah like I have to figure out what I actually like right regardless of what I grew up on or didn't grow up on or know now or don't know now mm-hmm. and so that was the gateway for me of like how do I want to be treated Monday through Monday yeah. What do I want my life to look like Monday to Monday? And how do I want my kids to be raised? That for me is was like, okay, yeah, this is what sets the tone. So I feel like I had to start there. And you found what? I found that because I have two boys and I was in survival mode, you know, raising them by myself for the first couple of years, I needed someone to be 10 steps ahead of me. Mm-hmm. I needed someone to, you know, pick up where I lacked. I needed someone to get me out of survival mode. I needed someone to tell me it's okay. I can breathe and relax and turn off my brain for a little bit and that they would take over and they would just jump in and do it the way that gave me a peace of mind. Yeah. And so I learned one that comes with a man who knows who he is and what he wants Mm -hmm. and is stable in that. Um, so, you know, that looks like you have your life together before I expect you to jump in, you know, to mine or my kids. Um, I need to know that, you know, you're practicing a healthy lifestyle because if you don't care about yourself, you're not going to care about me, right, and mine. So I just started kind of creating, like, this imaginary checklist of, like, this. these are the things that make me happy at, at my best as a person and as a mother. And it trickled down to you know, my first husband and he was Jewish. Mm -hmm. I mean, his whole family very much um, followed a Jewish lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so that was structure. You know, they had traditions and they passed it down. So for me, I'm like, this is great. Mm -hmm. I fully embraced it and, you know, trickled over to my kids. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, unfortunately that didn't work out. And so now I'm with somebody who is Italian. And Mm -hmm. again, it's very family oriented. It's the traditions. It's you know this is family is important it is you know first and so um just to practice what you preach and what you believe in is just huge yeah and so that's what I'm learning
0: yeah and in a white guy or in let's talk about the gentleman that you're with now Mm -hmm. he checked all of the boxes for all of the things that the 10 steps ahead yeah uh, thinking things through yeah
1: I mean I he will literally wake up in the morning and be like okay what's or the night before what's tomorrow's schedule what's today's schedule what do you have going on what do the boys have going on this is what I have going on but I can alter it if you need me here Mm -hmm. you know or there it's very much a team Mm -hmm. it's what's best for the family um he'll plan you know a trip that we can all go on and then if it's like, okay, we need a date night, then we find a babysitter. Yeah. Like it's very simple, very simple. And yeah. uh, it's just nice to have that peace of mind of like, I'm not doing this alone. I'm doing this with somebody who actually wants to do this. And Who's I'm on my team and we like better each other and we lift each other up and yeah, just nice.
0: And I'm nodding my head because, and like I said, we're I'm stepping on a stick of dynamite <laughs> and I'm already knowing it. And I'm just going to lose the leg in this one and just speak my experience. (laughs) Right. If I can just speak my experience, Mm because we're talking about it. And you've dated black men, you've dated white men. Yes. And um, I found that a lot of things that you said was my experience as well. I'm not saying that a white man is better than a black man. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that what I experienced With the white guy that I dated Mm -hmm. was someone who was always thinking like ahead of what we needed or like would literally be in my home if I was working and he would come and visit me. And look around and think of things that I need or just notice yeah. something that I didn't have and, and just go buy it. it and just, yep. and not the cheap version. <laughs> like I'm going to buy you like, so this What's is gonna best. Last What's going to last.
1: You. Yep. What's going to actually help. You yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. The thoughtfulness of that. The mm-hmm. same with my kids. Let's go to this amusement park. Let's go to this city and visit. In- Let's go including them. Yeah. Making them feel like there's something extra or a burden or Correct correct you know and i'm not saying that any brothers did that either i'm like you know the you know uh, first of all i wouldn't date you if you didn't treat my kids well, right yeah number one yeah number one but i'm just speaking on the experience that i had like as you said like as far as taking care of his health and making sure that he's healthy and like Mm -hmm. how he's eating and things like that and exposing me to to new ways of taking care of myself and Mm -hmm. my body and how i eat it was it you know it was a lot of things that i liked mm-hmm. that i you know and not to say that there aren't black men out there that are doing the exact same thing i had not experienced that, it right with a black man right. but i'm just saying those are things that i noted mm-hmm. when i was in the relationship with the white guy that i liked yeah i like that you're always thinking i like that you like structure too i like mm-hmm. that you um planning ahead you're thoughtful you're a flower sender yes. you're a the family guy yeah. yeah like a team yeah. player mm-hmm. and knows how to play his position and doesn't try and you know i had this you know big career at that time that i was dating him and it wasn't like he like that's her thing yeah we're not in competition, competition we're no. not trying to outdo each other like mm-hmm. i show up and i respect her at her stuff yeah. she shows up and she respects me at my stuff and the we support. like support the support you know mm-hmm. and i appreciated it so yeah. you know again brothers <laughs> please do not email me <laughs> and say that i'm putting brothers down because i am not i'm just saying no. that what you just said yeah. i have experienced too and i'm not saying that's all white men because it's the white dudes i here this trash now no, just yeah, like you know sure. in every culture yeah. we can pick some mexicans and asians this trash
1: yeah. like you know but I, that's what i love about this podcast like we can talk about it we know that this is our experience. Yes. We know there are different experiences and come on. Like let's talk about it. Yes. Um, because we understand that we're not limited to this no. experience. This is just what we've come to learn about ourselves and what has benefited, you know, us and our children at the place that we're out in life. Yes. And um that's all we can do.
0: Yeah. Cause I came to the situation with him, dating mm-hmm. him with all these preconceived notions about white oh, men. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: That's me too. That's why I never started off dating them. Yeah. Cause I was like, oh no, that's not for me. Yeah.
0: But it like, wasn't what I need what to be with somebody
1: who is like me. Yeah. Um, even though I was still trying to figure that out. And really
0: what is like me? Right. That part you know and at the essence of it all like when we get down to like just really like the bottom like if we go all the way down to all of this stuff that we're talking about and get all the way down up under the dirt and up under the the uh uh uh, roots and all is love yeah yeah it's just love (laughs) period Uh, yeah love
1: and i think covid kind of like open that up like where do I want to go home at night who do I want to be around like if I had to be stuck in the house for another two years like that's what matters yeah the people I can wake up to and not feel like I'm taking up space that like I'm a burden like what I come with is too much I just want a safe space where like I'm loved and I can
0: love and we're just happy making memories no matter what your skin complexion right. looks like no
1: matter what yeah
0: yeah at the end of the day that's what it's all really rooted in and i think that you know just the conversation that you've shared jazz is going to be like so good for people to maybe now when they meet someone who's biracial Mm -hmm. that doesn't have all of the like soul traits that they (laughs) feel like you should have yeah have an idea that maybe because that's just the way she was brought up you know what i'm saying her experience has been different than mine yeah you know and and move with grace Toward other people because I have definitely, you know, I had a coworker who always was like, you know, biracial people are some of the most confused people in the world. They just the most confused people. They don't know if they black. They don't know if they white. And I used to sit and listen to her. And in my mind I'd be like, I've never really thought that. Like I've yeah. never really gave that much thought to, you know, biracial people choosing who they are, thinking all of those things because yeah you know you're both of those things yeah and maybe more one than the other just because of exposure but at the end of the day yeah you know so like i said it's all love i just appreciate you coming on and talking about it jazz because i feel like it's going to be a conversation that people really want to hear and understand how life is processed for you yeah i love it i'm i'm happy i'm here i'm like now that we're
1: talking about i have like a million and one stories that i totally like suppressed or you know haven't thought about in a while but it's so funny. Cause like now I can think about them and I'm like, Oh, like I don't do that anymore or, you know, Does it doesn't make me feel that way anymore. So I think this is therapeutic. So yeah. I appreciate
0: you. Yeah. So Jasmine, thank you for coming on these three things and talking about growing up biracial, your experiences and sharing it with my listeners. Is there anything else that you want to share before we get out of here?
1: No, thank you. I appreciate you for uh, trusting me to come on here and, you know, speak my truth. And, um,
0: I feel good about this. Yeah. So thank you. I do too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I am Sharona Reeves. I am with Jasmine Jenkins. I'll be right back with these three things. Okay, everybody, I got a question for you. If you are a frequent listener or a new listener of these three things podcast, why haven't you left a review yet? I need for you on Apple podcast and now on Spotify, leave a review of this episode and tell me what you loved or didn't love. I can't wait to read your response. Thanks. Hey, this is Sharona Reeves. You are listening to These Three Things Podcast. I am with Jasmine Jenkins. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode on being biracial. And now it is time for these three Things. Number one, the comfort zone. I'm not going to lie to y'all. There were moments when I was listening to Jasmine's story that I really wanted to judge Jasmine's mom. And I was thinking things like, you're raising a black child. How do you not expose her to her blackness? But after we finished recording this episode, I thought to myself, Sharana, If you had a child with a white man, and you and that white man split up, would you go out of your way to expose that child to the white side of his or her family? And without any real deep thought, my answer was no. And I know my answer may seem irresponsible, but let me explain. For the most part, you guys, the black community is a very welcoming community. I mean, we welcome everybody in. I know all of us have grown up with a white boy or a white girl that we went to high school with or elementary school with that just hung out with all the black kids, just were welcomed into the black community. Our parents welcomed them. We fed them. We treated them like family. And I'm sorry for all of my white listeners who are about to hear me say this, but the white community, not so much. And as a mother, When I think about what I've wanted for my children, exposing them to anything that I feel could possibly damage them or stunt their growth or hurt their self-esteem in any way, especially at a young age, I'm not doing it. I wanted my children to feel safe. I wanted my children to feel loved. I wanted my children to feel protected. And when I put myself in Jasmine's mom's shoes, I got it. But here's the thing our children would still grow up not being fully exposed to what and who makes them who they are. More than anything, children want to belong. And it is our responsibility as parents to help them navigate that, no matter what race we are. As adults, I get it. It is much easier for us to explore life from our places of comfort. But when raising multicultural children, it is our responsibility to step into the possibly unknown. For the sake of helping our children develop their identity, we must step out of the comfort zone. Number two. We judge. I want to do a continuation from number one. And number one, I talk about how welcoming the black community is and we are. But recently, when I was sharing my excitement about releasing this episode to a really good friend of mine, she brought it to my attention that she felt the black community was more welcoming to white people than we were to biracial people. And here's her reasons. She shared that when biracial people do not instantly choose their black side, we shun them because we think that they don't wanna be black. They wanna enjoy the privileges of being white. So we keep them at a distance. As black folks, we other them. Jasmine shared in this episode how at times she felt really judged by the black community when she didn't always understand how black people functioned in different ways. She was exposed to different foods. She was exposed to a different community. The community with which she lived in was a predominantly white and Asian community. She mentioned that she dated the only other black guy that was at her high school my friend expressed that we don't always take into consideration the exposure that biracial kids may have in the black community. We just assume that because they're not hanging around black people existing in the black community and understand everything about black culture, that they don't want to be black. It's got to be a tough place for biracial people to be, especially when we don't take consideration to what's been exposed. After this episode, if you're listening on Spotify, I'm going to leave a question for you to answer in regards to do we judge? I always like to leave my listeners with homework sometimes in these three things. So in this episode, I encourage you to go to Spotify and answer the question, and black people, let me know, do we judge? Number three, biracial, by Stephanie Lynn. My father is black and my mother is white. And though we live in a new generation, I still find myself having to give explanations on how all this works. The ignorance of race really hurts. No, this is not good hair. No, you can't touch it. Keep your fucking hands to yourself. No, I'm not Mexican or Puerto Rican. Stop guessing above all else. I'm black like you and I'm white like her. I'm flesh and blood, not claws and fur. But see, you don't want to accept me. Of course, unless I'm President Obama or Halle Berry. Did you know they were mixed? Or were you so deep in the limelight you don't care? Because on the streets, I'm not considered black, no matter how coarse my hair. I use relaxers, too. I've had my hair braided. I've been called nigger. I've been followed in stores. I've been sent to the end of the line for no reason. Denied friendship for seasons. And wouldn't you know, being black was the reason. But it's not just enough to gain any trust. I don't look anything like white people, so I don't even try. Only hope for full acceptance from the other side. And yet still, I'm left feeling quite empty inside. Where the hell do I fit in? Who's on my side since claiming black or white is considered a crime? This was when I decided to become an advocate of self. I found who I am. Didn't need any help. I don't let my race define who I am, but I embrace both my colors. They work well with each other. And that's something society just will not understand. That's it for this episode of These Three Things Podcast. I appreciate you guys listening to my good friend Jasmine share her story about being biracial, I will see you guys next time on a new episode on these three things.